I'm just going to release this time now to the speaker, so let's all stand this moment and recognize uh, Prophetess Liz Vold. She comes from Pasadena, California, where Pastor Cheyan is the pastor. Uh, he's a marvelous man of God, a great church, uh, intercessory church. They stand in the gap for California and for the United States. They partner a lot of things with uh, our friend Cindy Jacobs, Prophetess Cindy Jacobs, and other wonderful men and women of God. So uh, I'll just uh, let her take the part now. Uh, Prophetess, you're welcome. And, you know, as the Lord will lead. The Lord will lead. Bless you, people of God. Thank you, thank you. It is great to be here. Have a seat. I really, I, I have one expectation, one thing, to be in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to inquire in his temple, to behold the beauty of the Lord. Why don't we just begin to pray? Father, we just thank you. We bless you, God. We honor you, Father. And we stand here saying you are the king of glory. You are our everything. We declare that in the song, Lord, and we say, God, you are our everything. And our hope and our expectation, Father God, comes from you, O Lord. We welcome the king of glory in this place. And we ask, God, for your glory to come in, Father God, from the center to the circumference of this building, God. And we pray, O oh God, that you would even permeate the atmosphere of the neighborhood, God. We are asking, God, that you would come in in such a way, God, that you would cause the very foundations of your people and of this place, of this neighborhood, to be forever changed. Father, we just give you honor. We give you glory. Holy Spirit, we say you are welcome. You are welcomed in this place. We desire your presence. We desire your voice. We desire your manifestations. And we say, have your way. Have your way. Have your way in this house. Have your way. Have your way. Oh, people of God, don't be silent. Don't be silent. Tell them what you are waiting for. Tell them what you're waiting. Tell them what you desire. For he will come and he will fill you. Father, we thank you for your presence. And we ask God that even as your people, Father, wait in great expectation. That you would fill them, Father, to overflowing. That you would fill them, God. I thank you that it is your desire to give us the kingdom. To give us the kingdom. And we say, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. In the Bronx as it is in heaven. In New York as it is in heaven. We give you praise and honor, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. It is a privilege. It is an honor to be here. I don't take this assignment lightly. And as we went, we've been preparing, fasting and praying. Why do you fast, you might ask. I fast because I have seen your destiny. I fast because I have seen God's desire for your life, for your city, for your nation. And I believe that as you give yourselves freely to God, God is going to cause you to arise and to come up to a higher level. A higher level in the knowledge of God. A higher level in revelation. A higher level in the manifestation of Holy Spirit. As I was seeking the Lord for this trip, for this, this ministry time, the Lord told me that this house was entering into a deeper level of worship. That the worshipers who worship him in spirit and in truth today are entering into a higher place. Into a higher realm of worship. And he said that this will not be as church as usual. But this will be a 
Shari Araya. It's hot up here. It's hot up here. Shari Araya. We're going to go to the scripture. We don't have a lot of time, so we're going to run. We're going to run. We're going to go to 1 Samuel 30. Such a strong anointing in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Apostle Nazario. As I was praying for you, had a vision. I saw angels coming to you. Did you know that you had angels assigned to you? The Lord has assigned new angels for a new season i saw the angels coming these were no ordinary angels these angels brought dusters you were standing and they began to dust off with these gigantic dusters i said lord what are they doing and he said to me they are preparing him for the new season for this season, it will be a season of purification. No, I didn't say purification. Listen to me. Beautification. The Lord is going to beautify you. And he has already done so. But he's adding a level of beauty to your ministry. Because he's getting ready to position you among leaders of leaders in this country. He is getting ready to position you with movers and shakers in the kingdom of God. And God says, don't look back. Don't look at the things that were left behind. And don't even look at where you are today. For I am getting ready to transport you. I am getting ready to open doors that you never thought possible. I am getting ready to get you up there. And that's what I've been doing. I have had you in the potter's wheel. And I have been forming. I have been forming a vessel of honor. And this vessel of honor will be displayed for all the nations to see. As I said, nations. For indeed, the days of national ministry are coming to an end. For I shall open doors in Europe. For I shall open doors in the places where there is a great hunger for the world for i have been investing inside of you i have been placing volumes and volumes and volumes of my revelation that will be given to the european world i also see you see you going into spain a key nation for you will be the nation of italy i don't know what the relation is but the lord is exactly pinpointing Europe, you're going to do a lot of entrance and depart and exit from Spain, and you're going to go to Italy. And then the whole continent of Africa will be your playground, says the Lord. And the Lord showed me that there are, you are a psalmist, and he says that he is going to trust you with songs. He is going to download words, verses, lyrics, poems that he's going to inspire you. And he is taking you into a new season. He is taking you into a new season. This is a new season for you, for he's going to cause you to shine. And he's going to bring a revelation of the true worshipers of God. You are going to be so undone. And your message will be the message of love and passion for the God, for the King, for Jesus. You are going to be just madly in love. And I'm not saying you're not. But what I'm saying is he is rekindling the love. He is rekindling the passion. And out of you will come out songs of passion for the King. Hallelujah. Are we all ready to go into first of Samuel chapter chapter thirty? 
Amen. Let's see how much are we going to read. Bear with me. Now I understand. I was looking at Second Samuel. That's why it didn't make sense. Amen. We're going to read 30, and it said like this, please don't stand up, stay comfortably in your chairs. Now it happened that when David and his main men came to Ziklag, on the third day that the Amalekites invaded the south of Ziklag, and they attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women and those who were there, from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept, until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam and Jerusalites, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed. For the people spoke of stunning him because they were, because the soul of all men were grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. Then David said to Abiathar, the priest, Ahimelech's son, Please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them. And without fail, you shall recover all. So David went, and he and his 600 men who were with him came to the brook Besor, where those stayed who were left behind. But David pursued, and him and 400 men, 200 stayed behind, who were so weary that they could not cross the brook Besor. Then they found an Egyptian in the field, and they brought him to David, and they gave him bread, and he ate and let him drink water. And they gave him a piece of a cake of figs, two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him, for he had eaten no bread nor drunk water for three days and three nights. Then David said to him, To whom do you belong, and where are you from? And he said, I am a young man from Egypt, servant of the Amalekites, and my master left me behind because three days ago I fell sick. We made an invasion of the southern area of the Sherahites in the territory which belongs to Judah and the southern area of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, Can you take me down to the troops? So he said, Swear to me by God, that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will take you down to the troops. And when he had brought him down, they were spread out all over the land, eating, drinking, and dancing, because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. And David attacked them from the twilight until the evening of the next day. Now a man escaped not a man escaped except for 400 men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. And nothing of theirs was lacking, either great or small, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. And David recovered all. Then David took all the flocks and herds, that they had driven before those other livestock and said, this is David's spoil. Now David came to the 200 men who had stayed so weary that they couldn't follow David, so whom they also made to stay at the brook Besor. So they went out to meet David and to meet the other people who were with him. And David came near the people he gre- and he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless men, men of those who went with David, answered and said, Because they did not go with us, we will not give them anything or any spoil that we have recovered, except for every man's wife and children, that they may lead them away and depart. But David said, My brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us, who has preserved us and delivered us into the hands of the troops that came against us. For who will heed you in this matter? But as his part is who goes down to the battle, so shall his part be who stays by the supplies 
they shall share alike. So it was from that day forward he made it a statue and an ordinance for the Lord to this day. Amen. So we see here that the, the enemy had taken David's castle. For you know that the man's home is his castle. And David's castle in this particular time was Siklag. Siklag was a royal city. It belonged to the king of Judah. And Judah, as you know, means praise. David was not only the royal harpist, but he was the sweet psalmist of Israel. His desire was to become one with God. His desire was not to be seen or to be known. He wanted to tend to the sheep. He wanted to worship God. So Siglach for him was more than a castle. It was a place of retreat. It was a place of worship. And I wonder if you could consider your home your Siglach. Would it be? Your home has, is your home invaded by the presence of God? Is your home a place where Judah and the lion of Judah is invited to arise? David had been in a battle. He returned to his home. And what did he find? He found that his wives, his children have been taken captive. The whole city was burned down. A time of loss. And you can see that this story repeats over and over and over. Not only throughout the city, throughout the nation, and throughout the world. Everywhere you go, you hear of devastation. You hear about foreclosures. You hear about business going down. You hear about bankruptcies. You hear about the marriages failing because of the financial strain. And that is very much the season in which we are living and the, and the times that we have lived. Haggai 2.3 says, Who is left among you who saw this house in her first glory? And how do you see it now compared to, to its beginnings? As, is it as nothing in your eyes? But I like this. Haggai 2.4 says, Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel said Jehovah, and be strong, O Joshua, son of Hesodak, the high priest. Be strong, all the people in the land, says the Lord. For I am with you, says the Lord of hosts, as I covenanted with you. We can see here how God sent the warning to this nation. I remember probably seven to eight years ago, the Lord began to speak about the shaking. Shaking all those things that could be shaken. And we have all entered into the great shaking. And if it hasn't come to your house, I have good news for you today. If it hasn't come, get ready because it's coming. No one is exempt. And the great shaking that has taken place has only come to position us, to position us for the greatest days, for the greatest awakening, for the greatest revival that this land has ever seen. So much loss, you would say to me. You know, we serve a mighty God. But in the United States, we have a currency that reads... In God we trust. But we, the Christians, at times call it the mighty buck. We consider our security. We consider it when we look and we have money, oh, we're blessed. But when the pocketbook is empty, when nothing, you open the fridge and nothing but smoke comes out of that fridge. You don't feel so blessed, do you? You don't feel so privileged. But God had to purpose a shaking. Not only that the world would come to the desires of the nation, but his church, that his church would come back to him with full hearts, not half-heartedly, but with a heart that would say, whether I have nothing, I will still praise you. If you give me millions, I will praise you. And if I'm out in the dumps, I will just praise you. See, his word says that he's seeking for those who will worship him 
I have taken time to be in your city. I've never done this. Every time I come, it's all about ministry, 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 ministry. But this time, I brought my, my spiritual daughter, Sylvia, with me. And she wanted to go sightseeing. So I said, yes, baby, we're going to take time. You know, the parents always want to make their children happy. So baby wanted to see the city. And I said, well, see the city. So we went on the subways. We went on the buses. We went to Times Square. We even saw a Broadway show. We walked. We mingled. And what I found was so sad. So, so sad. So, so sad. It's so sad that I'm saying, God, I am willing to be transplanted. I am willing to move to New York. I am so willing to pay the price. Because the people run. Like in a little hamster wheel. They run. They run. They run. They don't look. They run. They have a frown on their faces and time. Time. Time is money. Time is money. Time is money. You go shopping. I tell them, look. I want to buy this here. I'm bringing you my money. You should be happy. Give me a smile. No one smiles in this city. No one smiles. And I said, look, this is going to make you happy. Give me the t-shirt. I'll give you my money. We go into the stores. It was an amazing time of ministry. Because even the Christians are hungry for the word of God. Even the Christians need a word of God. And these are the people of God who sit in the pews every Sunday. What is happening, America? What is happening, New York? I think it's a divine setup. And us, the people of God, who are supposed to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth, we run alongside of them, and we don't even look them in the eye and wish them a good morning. We're so busy. We sit among them in the buses. We sit among them in the subways. And we just look at them. And we say, I praise you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. Are we really praising the Lord, I wonder? We who are called to be the atmosphere changers. Where are we? I think we run to the cave. I thought we saw the great shaking coming. And we decided that it would be safer for us to play it safe. Just to go hide in the churches. Because it's great to be here. Uh, when you have worshipers like that, that's all you want to do. You just want to be here and get your groove on. Come on. Don't let me lie. It's good to be here. Here we cry and we feel the presence of God. Be blessed, sister. I'll see you on Sunday. But what happens? What happens the rest of the week? Did I come to the right house, I wonder? So there was great loss. And as I prayed for each one of you, as I fasted for each one of you, the Lord told me that you all had suffered great loss. That you all had lost some of your finances, some of your family relationships, some of you were in great distress. But the Lord strong and mighty in your midst. You read the story that says and David recovered all. David recovered all. It's funny because the people of God these were the people of God. David's warriors decided they were not happy with the outcome. They were upset. And who did they look to in the time of the distress? They looked at the leader. They had forgotten where they found David. I was reading this and I was in shock. Let me find it for you. So that you know that I've been reading the Bible. First of Samuel 22.2 says, and everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented, 
gathered themselves unto him, and he became captain over them, and there were with him about 400 men. That's the state in which the army of David was in when they came to join him. So they were discontent. They were, let's just put it in plain English, broken, busted, and disgusted. Okay? So something went wrong. And what did they do? He did it. You brought us. Why did you bring us here? Just like with Moses. They've forgotten how the waters were parted. They've forgotten about the manna. They've even forgotten when Moses said, No, God, if you're going to kill them, kill me first. But that's great. That's how ungrateful the people of God become at times. They forgot that they were, who was their captain? Who they ran to when they were, they were in that position? But when something went wrong, they began to criticize. They began to plot. And you know what? What is so important about the season that we are entering in is that we need to know, first of all, who our God is. Two things that are so important in God's heart right now. One of them is unity, and the other one is honor. Honor and unity. This man began to cause a division. And they were dishonoring their leader. Ephesians 3 says, 4.3 says, Try your best to let God's Spirit Keep your hearts united. Do this by living at peace. All of you are part of the same body. There is only one spirit of God. Just as you were given one hope when you were chosen to be God's people. That's what the contemporary English version reads. That we may endeavor. That we may strive to be in unity. In unity. A lot of times we have to agree to disagree. See, God has raised up not only a pastor. You guys have an amazing apostle in your midst. You might not see it. There's a saying out in the world that says, you can see the trees from the forest because you're surrounded by trees. And it's time that the people of God begin to honor the people who lead them, those who serve them, those who the Lord has placed in leadership. It's time that we begin to ask the Lord that we would see people for who they are in Him. That He would give us eyes to see the gift that they carry. Because for some, it might be just Pura, it might be just Sylvia, and it might be just Victor. But I got to tell you that when you look around, you're going to look that the gift of God is in each and every one of the brothers. If you look to your right and you look to your left, you're going to find that the living miracle is sitting next to you. I want to see a miracle. Oh, sister, I want to see a miracle. Show me a miracle. Heal someone. Give me a miracle. Look around you. Smell the roses. It's time to honor. It's time to lead and to lead with honor and wisdom. I come from a great house. I call it the greatest church on earth because it really is heaven on earth apart from this house that is. Formerly known as Harvest Rock, we are now known as H Rock, House of Hope, House of Healing, anything that you can find with H. Honor, that's, that's who the church is. And our apostle, Pastor Jay, Leads the congregation with honor. Everything that we do is done in honor. He sees us as children, as daughters, and sons. And we learn to value one another in that honor. You will not find someone who murmurs and complains. In that house, we all lay down our agendas. We lay down our crowns 
to serve the vision of the man of God. Because we believe that the anointing, the oil flows from the head on down. So we serve the vision that the Lord has given Pastor Che. Not only nationally, not only for Pasadena, but internationally. So there, if Apostle Che decides that he's going to change something, he doesn't say, uh, congregation, I feel like the Lord has spoken to me and we need to do this. He'll say, and next week we're going to start services at a different time and we're going to do worship in a different way. And everybody says, amen, Captain. The people of God volunteer freely in the day of his power. I have the, the honor and the great privilege of going from house to house. Get to travel a lot, not only nationally, but internationally. I come home to H Rock. That's my home. I take my high heels off. I put on my flat slippers, my flat shoes, and guess what? I'm the first one there to serve. And that's the attitude that we ought to have. We need to learn how to be servants of all. We have the mentality that we are kings and priests. Therefore, the servants are a service. But the word says that whoever wants to be the greatest in the kingdom of God will learn to be a servant of all. So you guys might think all oh, the prophetess is here. But when I go back home, how can I serve you, Apostle Jay? How can I serve you, Pastor Jay? How can I serve you, Pastor Sue? And that ought to be our attitude. You know, that we would encourage one another, serving in unity and in honor. Honor. What is the Bible? And I'm going to read you what the definition is in the Webster Dictionary, first of all. Webster describes honor as high respect. High respect. And I think that it's, it doesn't, you don't have to say a lot more than that. I was reading the Bible, and I found that God holds honor and unity very, very highly. Two things that are so important in our everyday walk is honor. The Bible speaks a lot about honor. Honor your father and your mother. That you may have a long life that it may go well with you. It's not just speaking about mother and father earthly, but we're speaking about spiritual fathers. I was reading Romans 12:10, and in my Bible, the title that's given there is Behave Like Christians. I think at times we forget who we are. We forget whose kingdom we represent. It says, love one another with brotherly affection as members of one family, giving precedence and showing honor to one another. This is the Amplified Version. God speaks of honor in Ten Commandments. He promises good life. And it's so important that we follow the principles of honor. And that is accurately acknowledging who people are. And that will position us to give to them what they deserve and receive the gift of who they are. Because, see, if you position yourself to receive, if you acknowledge apostle for who he is as the apostle, what he carries will be the blessing that you receive. If you receive this woman, and I'm not saying this, I'm just using you as an example. Don't take me out of context. If you receive her as a prophet, then you will receive the prophet's reward. But we see each other as just another member of the church. He has equipped us to be members of one body. One of you might be a prophet, a teacher, an evangelist a minister, a missionary, I don't know. But whatever position you are, we need to acknowledge that and we need to live in such a culture of honor that when we see each other, we ought to greet each other. God bless you. God bless you, teacher so-and-so, to receive 
But in the church, there has been so much competition. No, only me. They need to see my ministry because I have a powerful ministry. And if you have such a powerful ministry, why don't you come in here and in your prayers begin to ignite the fire that when the brothers and the sisters come in, that this praise would be bursting with presence of God. That is when you really know you have a strong anointing. No one needs to tell you, come up here and pray. You're going to go, Pastor, I need you to give me a set of keys. Oh, we begin to worry when they ask for keys because we think they're taking over. Oh, it would be so awesome that they would actually take over. You know, we saw in television over there, uh, uh, what is it? What was the name of that? We're taking over over Wall Street, and it was uh, taking over Los Angeles, and, and you guys started something great. But what would happen if the people of God begin to recognize? Wait a minute. I feel something inside of me. Something smells like fire. I think I need to do something with this. You know, everybody wants to preach. Everybody wants a pulpit. Everybody wants to tell everybody what to do. What if instead of looking for places of ministry, we begin to just pour out that which God has placed inside of us? Where you when you see someone busted and disgusted, you begin to say, Oh sister. God is doing such an amazing work in you. I just see you traveling to the nations. I see you in the subway just bringing words of encouragement. And I just see how God's going to answer your prayers. See, that's the position that we need to be in. But we forget. We forget. We say, Pastor Nazario, you've forgotten. I haven't. You haven't given me the pulpit. I haven't thought in at least six months. When are you going to allow me to teach? He might say, the moment that I might see you when you start acting like a woman of honor, like a man of, of honor, then I might consider it. We want to have the first place, but we don't want to be the one that goes out and serves. We don't want to be the ones that are there day and night crying out. How many of you would wake up in the middle of the night praying for the pastor, praying for the wife, praying for the worship leader, saying, God bless them, bless them, bless them, greater revelation, greater wisdom. Oh, we criticize. We stone them. We say, let's kill them. Are you still here? So when you move in a culture of honor, you don't need to tell somebody, praise the Lord, my brother, because honor will recognize. Uh, you will give honor to whom honor is due. You will walk in here giving honor to the rest of the brethren, not looking for the best seats, but saying, why don't you sit a little closer? I'm willing to take the back seat so that you can feel the anointing that comes out of that worship leader. For you, if you receive a prophet in the name of the prophet, you will receive the prophet's reward. Names and titles are also important in the kingdom of God. See, he calls us fathers. He calls us mothers. He calls us sons. He calls us daughters. And we, a lot of times, forget that his people are a valued procession. The people of God are his treasures. And if you begin to mess with the treasure of God, guess what? He's going to give you spanking. He's going to give you spanking. He's going to say you've forgotten who you are. So leaders also acknowledge their interdependence in the diverse anointings. See, we need one another. I need the anointing that you have in my life. I need you just as much as you need me. Because I cannot go to the next level unless you're willing to go with me. Because it could, be, it could get very lonely at the top. And unless we are willing to grab one another by the arm and say, we're going to walk this out together. And the spirit of unity. You don't know how to speak tongues? You walk with me for a little while. 
You come and pray with me for a little while. You don't have fire. Don't worry. I got both enough for you, for you and for me. Just come with me. We criticize. We say, I don't like them because they're so dry. Why don't you give them a drink of the water that you carry? Why don't you just give them a little bit of the wine that you carry? Why don't you give them a little bit of the joy that you carry? That ought to be our lifestyle, depending on one another, preferring one another, recognizing the anointings, the giftings, and praying that especially us who carry gray hair. I use Miss Claire. I'll thank God for that. You don't see the gray hair. But as fathers and mothers in the house, the Lord calls us to bring the new generation. I saw young people at the altar today crying and weeping. Their faces, some of their faces were so red, I just wanted to go. <clears throat> but I contained myself. I knew it wasn't my time. See, when we, when, we, when we lead with interdependence on one another, Re, re, relying on the diverse anointings that, ha, that God has distributed among his house, what happens is that we begin to function as a team, creating a funnel from heaven to earth. So it becomes here on earth as it is in heaven. Pastor Jay has a saying, there's no poverty in heaven. There's no sickness in heaven. There's no division in heaven. And we are the ones that will usher in the kingdom of God into this earth. As we were walking the neighborhoods, we got lost a couple of times, took the wrong bus, took the wrong subway. But I've noticed the Christians were not at the subway station. The Jehovah Witnesses were. Giving Bibles away, passing out tracts, giving information. And where are the true light of the world? Where are the Christians? We looked, we couldn't find anyone. And we got happy when we saw a woman reading the Bible. And we got excited. And Sylvia got close to her. And, and, and she said, you're a believer. She said, I'm a Jehovah's Witness. Okay. All right. So even the Christians don't bring out the Bibles. But the Jehovah Witnesses are witnessing. And what has happened to us? I want to bring a team from L.A. and do missions here in, in, in New York. See, when you begin to hear the heart of God, we have yet to enter into the greatest harvest that we have ever seen. It's effortless. I tell you, it's effortless. You could say, boo, and they'll say, give me that what you have. Give me that what you have. Give me that what you have. We saw a band playing with the guitar, the drums, and Sylvia got really close. And then I said, honey, let's go. It's a secular band. We got excited. Because see, what we do back home. We begin to do things a little differently. We get a glimpse of heaven. Because, see, God is giving new strategic planning. He's giving new blueprints. He's giving new. See, he's doing a new thing. But we want to remain doing things the same old way, the same old thing in the old wineskin. It's time to shut the old wineskin and say, here I am. Send me. Here I am, God. Send me. Here I am. So what we do... At night, when we know there's people at the mall, we get the young people. See, they, they, don't, they have no shame. We, we embarrass so easily. They bring the guitars, the drums, and we begin to sing. Sometimes we'll even sing in the spirit. And the people look. It sounds kind of Indian. It sounds kind of new wave. It sounds new, okay? So they stand around and they watch us, and the kids begin to do their, you know, they, their dance. I do that. I break a bone. So the kids do their thing, and then we have a table. Destiny readings, because everybody wants to know their future. Okay? So they don't need to go to a psychic, because the psychic is going to take him to hell. You give him to me, I'm going to take him to heaven. And once I get him there, I'm going to get him saved, and they're never going to leave the kingdom of God. So how would it be 
if the whole congregation goes on a trip on a subway and we all begin to go I'm wondering if that would change the atmosphere. I'm wondering how many people would get healed without all laying hands on them. I'm wondering how many, how many witches would be delivered from their witchcraft. I'm wondering how many drug addicts would come to the right mind. I'm wondering how many people who are in, in suicide watch will be set free. Oh, God is doing a new thing. God is doing a new thing. How many of you are so disgusted and broken, busted, and are so tired of what the enemy has taken from you? I have great news for you today. For you shall recover all. You shall recover all. You shall recover all. See, we've allowed, we've given the enemy permission to take our children. We've settled. We said, it's okay. They're coming back. How active are you? Saying, at night, they're my children. They don't belong to you. You let them go now. Let them go. I plead the blood of Jesus over them. How many of you are tired to see your neighborhoods? Been in a mess. Their family's been destroyed. How many of you? are willing to stand in the gap and say, I'm taking my neighborhood back. I'm taking my neighborhood back. When I first moved to my neighborhood, North Hollywood, there was a lot of shootings. There was a lot of crime. And at one point, I got fed up. And I said, uh-uh. They're not going to do it. Not in my time and not while I'm here. So I said to the women, we're going to gather here on Saturday. Bring your oil. We're going to anoint him and we're going to walk the streets. If you have an empty Windex bottle, you bring it to me. We're going to use it. That sounds a little radical, right? But that's the way God is. You know, the kingdom of God suffers violence. But the violent take it by force. And the time came and no one showed up. Some of them said, what if they see us and they recognize us? I said, glory to God, then they'll know we're safe. But no one showed up. So I had my, my big gallon of olive oil. So I anointed it. I put it in the Windex bottle. And I was going to clean the streets. So I decided since no one was going to follow me, I was just going to ask the Lord to release an arsenal of angels to go and clean the streets with me. And I decided that I would take my Windex bottle with my anointed oil and I took on the streets. You want to see how much power you have? You want to see how heaven responds to you when you speak in tongues? Start walking. Start taking your neighborhoods. Start declaring that Jesus is Lord. And it's been, what, 22 years. I have not heard one gunshot. I have not heard of crimes in my block because we took control. If there's accidents that begin to happen, my husband and I go and I say, you're trespassing. There will be no, nothing that will be broken. There will be no spirit of death. And we just commanded to go out, out, spirit of poverty, out. This unity, out. Depression, out. We don't want you here. You go somewhere else. Where the spirit of God is, there is freedom. But we need to live, learn to live in a culture of honor where we honor one another. We want, to, we want revival. Do you guys want revival? Ten years ago, perhaps longer, I had a visitation. Lord descended in my house with a bunch of angels. And I got scared. And I said, Lord, I know you're here. But what are they doing here? But I, I didn't look at them because I was scared. They were mean. They were like mean dudes, you know. They meant business. So he said to me, don't you know that whenever I travel, angels go with me. I said, okay, God, I'm glad. What do you say to God? Come on, it's God talking to you. You're not talking to your mama. It's God, okay, creator of the universe. 
So he said to me, tell my people that I am bringing revival. Tell them that it's going to be a move of God and not of man. Tell them to get ready. And we have received the great shaking. And those things that did not belong to the kingdom of God fell off. And now we're at the great time of Isaiah 60 where it says, Arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Your better days are yet to come, Apostle. Better days are yet to come. Days filled with glory. Days filled with honor. Days filled with restitution. See, I saw here, I, I get excited. <laughs> the people decided, I don't know how much time I have. I think we're good. California time, there's still time. <laughs> when it's time, you just go like that. It says, in my notes, I'll pass them to you. Exodus 22.2 That if the enemy is found, he shall restore double. How much have you lost? How much have you lost? How much have you lost? Ask the Lord that the enemy would be found out, that he would pay you back. And I'm not talking about the old sneakers that you lost. I'm not talking about the old pair of jeans that you left when you went camping. No, I am talking about the spiritual gifts that you lost when you were so shaken by the loss. The spiritual gifts that you used to have when you would lay hands on the sick and they would recover. But now you pray for someone who has a cold. They end up, end up in the hospital with pneumonia. Oh, remember when you were so on fire for God that you couldn't wait for the shut-ins when you would pray all night? And now they call you. And at 10 o'clock you say, I'm going home, Pastor. I'm tired. You know, we need to rest. We need to take care of the body, the temple of the Holy Spirit. It says here, that David strengthened himself on the Lord. He did not go to his aunt Mary and say, Aunt Mary, would you pour some oil on me? I'm having trouble with the voice. You know, that's the first thing we do. We begin to call our neighbors. We begin to call the pastor. Nothing wrong with calling the pastor. What if we picked up the heavenly phone line before we called the pastor? What if we begin, when we have a big problem, we begin to call on God and ask God for the answer? And so that you are hearing from heaven and that you are getting a clear transmission, then you go to the pastor and say, Pastor, this is what's happening. And this is what I'm hearing from the Lord. And the pastor will say, you heard from God, do as he says. But we go and we begin to inquire. Inquiring minds want to know, and what do you think I ought to do? And can you pray for me? Can you fast for me? I had someone who had the audacity to tell me, my son is in great trouble. He's going to go to trial. And, and, and can you fast? I said, sure. When are you going to start fasting? I'll join you. And she said, oh, Sister Liz, you know I'm not good at that. You fast. You fast for me. I said, oh, honey, you want to see the victory, but you don't want to fight to see the victory. I'll pray, but if you're not willing to do the work, neither am I. We want someone else to come and win the battle for us. It says here that David strengthened himself on the Lord. And the days are coming in which the people of God are going to have great opportunities to shine as never before. And now is the time when we ought to get ready. Now is the time when we ought to be pouring oil, being filled constantly and every day asking Holy Spirit to fill us and refill us afresh. We think that the same infilling that we received 20 years ago when we received Christ is going to be good enough today. I'm here to say that you need to fill daily, daily, daily that your cup would overflow, 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 overflow. 
See, one thing I know that I heard for sure, that the Lord wants to start a prayer movement. Worship and prayer. I was telling Sylvia, I have this vision, this vision for New York, where there will be houses of worship and prayer 24-7, and they don't have to be in church. I don't know if you have cell groups that meet in your church, Apostle. This is what I saw as I was praying for you guys. I saw you reaching out in the various neighborhoods, and I saw lots of worship, lots of prayer, lots of worship, lots of prayer. And that is going to shift the atmosphere. That is going to shift and cause the darkness to move. So we expect the government to bring changes. We expect President Obama to bring changes. But I'm here to say that the people of God, when they are on their knees, they are the ones that will orchestrate changes for the nation. As I, was, I know the time is up. If you bear with me for five minutes, five minutes, I promise we'll leave and you guys can go, go have your pizza. Five minutes is all I ask. But those are Guatemalan minutes. We preach and we pray a lot. Guatemalans. Anyway, this is what I heard the Lord say. The Lord said that out of this house, there will come out a great prayer movement. If you believe it and you want to be a part of that, you raise your hand. And you say, here I am, God. The Lord said that you people would bring changes to the government, and that wars would be resolved in other nations as a result of the prayers in this place. That's no little thing. That is a big thing. Are you willing to take up the mantle? I saw that the people of this congregation, and if you're here from another congregation, then take it. Because it's for whosoever, whosoever believes. There were new mantles. This congregation was entering into a new level. Not only a level of worship, a level of strategic warfare, a level of intercession. Not only national, but international. I saw mantles of intercession falling. If you want them, you pick them up and you say they're mine. Only three people want him. That's okay. Two or three. Two or three are gathered together in, the, in his name. And the Lord also said that he was going to give you lands that you wouldn't, wouldn't have to pay for. Another thing that I saw, Peter Wagner established... Wagner Leadership Institute. How this is going to come about, I don't need to be mindful of that. But I really saw a school of the Spirit. I saw a school, a ministry, coming out of this house and sending them prepared to the nations. Peter Wagner has established a school for ministers or anyone who did not attend college, and even if you attended college, glory to God, that's good, where he gives the equivalent of a BA, an MA, or a, a, a doctoral degree to those who en en enroll in school, and they bring awesome preachers, teachers, prophets like Becca Greenwood, James Gall, Cindy Jacobs, Bill Johnson. But I saw that God was going to form a connection with this house. I saw the plans for God in this neighborhood. I saw why he handpicked you. I have no idea. I'm just the messenger, and I'm, re I'm just releasing the message. But I see connections forming, and I see how God is going to position this house to be a light. And the Lord said to me this morning, that this city will become again a light to the nations. As I woke up very early to intercede for the service, 
I, the Lord, I had visions, okay? I'm going to release those visions to you. One of the visions got was that a great net, you know, fisherman's, fisherman's net, was thrown from heaven to the city of New York. Awesome. The Lord is causing you to be fisher of men. You are going to go out, and this is going to be the greatest harvest time that you will ever see. And I pray that you would have ears to hear, and that you would be able to receive the revelation and the strategic planning and prayers that God is going to give you, that you would go and conquer kingdoms, that you would go and conquer cities and villages here in the New York State. I didn't just say the city, I said the state. The other vision was the strong man, the big, tall, huge, huge, huge man. But he was bound. He was staggering. He was like he was drunk. He was like this, but he was bound. So the strong man of the city has been bound. And I saw them leading them. I saw the people of God by their prayers leading the strong man who was weak. He was staggering. And they were leading him onto the water when he would return no more. Oh, come on. You ought to rejoice. You ought to rejoice what that means. What that means is that your prayers have been heard. And how it means is that your prayers have been answered. What that means is that God is giving you the city and certainly you shall recover all. You shall recover all. You shall recover all. Let's just stand up. It's time to go. Father, we thank you. Put your hands up if you want to receive the prophetic mantle, the intercessory mantle, the evangelistic mantle. Father, we thank you today that it is your desire to give us the kingdom, God. It is your desire, Father, that we would get restitution. You said, surely you shall recover all. And Father, I release upon your people, God, a mantle, Father God, for the new level that they are entering in. I release over them, Father God, your glory, Father. And I declare today that their ears are open to hear your voice. Your sheep, Father God, hear your voice and they will follow no other. So today we open up spiritual ears and we decree and declare that they shall hear the mandates from heaven. We thank you that you are releasing, Father God, mantles of intercession in this house. We receive them, God. We receive them. 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 We receive them, God. We receive them. We receive them. We receive them. We receive them, God. We receive the mantles of intercession. We receive those mantles of intercession. Receive, receive, receive. Receive the mantle of intercession. Father, we release over the house, Father God, greater dimensions of prophecy, greater dimensions of prophecy, God, that they would declare and declare out of this house which you are saying in heaven, God. Father, I thank you for freedom. I thank you, God, that this church is going into a new level in worship. I thank you, God, that the greatest weapon they possess will be worship. Judah goes first. Judah goes first. I thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Listen to me, Apostle. I'm having a vision right now. You guys are going to be strategic in movement. I just see you guys going into festivals throughout the city. Just bringing worship, doing things in a new way. Many will not understand. You will be criticized by many. But God says, if you follow me, if you heed my voice, I will give you the greatest harvest that this city has ever seen. (laughs) 
I want you all to, Pastor, can you come up here? We're going to pray for you. Where's your wife? She's taking care of the baby. So I want you to stretch out your hands and release a blessing over the man of God. Father, we thank you for your servant, God. We thank you, Father, for the years of service that he has given to you, God. And today, Father God, we lift up his arms. Today, we call him a mighty man of valor. We call him, Father, a man of honor, a man of valor, Father God. He is precious in your sight, God. And we decree over him, Father God, that the battle has already been won. We decree, Father God, that you go before him, God, and you make the crooked places straight. We decree today, Father God, that you will give him lands, Father God. You will build, give him buildings, that you will give him the greatest harvest. We pray for him and we pray for his wife and his family. Hedges of protection over them, God. We ask, Father God, that you would be a wall of fire around about him, God. With your glory in this midst, God. We ask, God, and we thank you that he shall recover all. He shall recover all. With increase, God. Increase. It's time for restitution. And the people of God said, Amen.